What a joy. <laughs> you know, I've been locked in a little tiny room in Redding, California. I haven't been to, I've been, this is my third public meeting in six months. So <laughs> I am so blessed, seriously. Uh, <laughs> and what an incredible worship time. Wow, I just feel like uh, my heart is so full. It is such a joy to be with you. And I want you to know that I'm actually with you most weeks on Zoom. This is my church. I hang out here. Last week I got to hear Duncan speak and uh, Sister Erica was a couple weeks before that. You know, I've, I've been able to track with you guys because this is my home church at some level. So, you know, you don't know me, but I'm one of you. And so anyway, it's, it's so good to uh, be with you and, and uh, live and not just on a technological blessing of Zoom. All right. So, um, but anyway, during worship, gosh, I, I felt something that was for us in the room, but also for those of you online. I felt so strongly that today is a pivot point. That's the word that just kept coming to me through worship, a pivot point. And I believe a pivot point can be a point of geography, like we're in church today, and that's a pivot point. We're, we're all together pivoting before the Lord. You know, uh, like in basketball, one foot is planted, the other foot moves. You know, we're pivoting. And, and I th but it's also a moment in time. It's not just a, a place in geography. And so those of you especially joining us online, let today be a pivot point in your life. I know that just, you know, in the, in the COVID season, most of us have been living under a lot of distress, there's been the lockdowns, there's been the masks, there's been the, the fear of contagion, there's been the crises that have been going on, especially in our nation, but in other nations as well, that are related to the political polarities and all of the dynamics that many of us are, you know, it's like, it, it can be a fearful time. As Murray was saying, just the anxiety and the division and the strife and the animosity is so great. But can we pivot? Can we find a place where we, we, we shift our stance, we, we rise above what's going on on this planet right now, and we, we achieve a level of ascendancy over all the, the stuff that's going on? Like eagles, we rise up, the Bible says. Those that wait on the Lord will be like eagles flying high above all the chatter of the crows and the ravens down below. It's like we can achieve a place of greater perspective. And that's what I want to talk about a bit today. I want to talk about three words, basically. It's transformed to transform. We're transformed to transform. Can you say that with me? Transformed to transform. Or to say it like this. I have been transformed by Jesus, say that, so that I might become a transformer, more than meets the eye. No, it's, no, seriously, I just had this encounter with my two grandsons this week where uh, one of them six and the other's three and they just discovered transformers. You know, they just discovered these little cars that if you pull them in a certain way, they transform into Autobots. You know, they, they become this other thing. And that's really who we are. We are transformed into the image of Christ. We are transformed with the mind of Christ. We are transformed to be world changers. 
That is the nature of who we are. Turn with me in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1. And, um, you know, for those of you who might be feeling a bit anxious in the midst of all the protests, and many of them are peaceful, but there are some, obviously, that are horrible looting and riots and even killings that are going on. I mean, it's a stressful time. But what I want you to think about is the fact that about 50 years ago, I was one of those protesters. Hello? <laughs> Seriously, I was raised in San Francisco with hippie parents. Um, they were activists. In fact, uh, we, we opened a commune in San Francisco, and uh, we had all kinds of people like guru followers and draft dodgers and people like that living in our house all together. And um, for a season, we actually ran our household, not on scripture, but on Mao Zedong's Red Book. <laughs> we would cite his uh, maxims in order to resolve conflict in the house. I mean, seriously, you know, the, there used to be this one political party called the Peace and Freedom Party. Um, that was way too conservative for my mom. <laughs> she, she was, uh, so I was brought out into the protests against the war in Vietnam. I was brought into the protests against the injustices against the Black Panthers and other kinds of political causes in that time. And pretty much almost every weekend, in fact, there was one weekend I was with a small group of people and, you know, the cameras were raging on us and the police were surrounding us. And I ducked in time to have a billy club just miss my head and hit a glass window behind me and shatter it okay I was one of those people and it's easy for us to look at that and say those are my enemy but they're not I would declare to you those are the harvest those are the harvest that many of those same people who we see you know, holding their fists high are going to be the world changers of tomorrow if we can get God's perspective they can be transformed to transform See, what happened with me was I went through about five years of activism, but I began to realize that most of my fellow activists were just as self-centered and just as sinful as I was. <laughs> that was a revelation. And so I said, well, gosh, how can we change the world if we can't even change our own hearts? In fact, one time I remember walking out in the middle of a park in the night and I looking into heaven and looking at the stars and I just remember saying, God, why didn't you make a religion that could change me from the inside out? <laughs> Little did I know. <laughs> I had been told Christianity was a bunch of laws and rules that you had to obey. It was that the Bible was written by an evil king who wanted to control the masses. Okay, little did I know that the new covenant that was sealed in the blood that we just celebrated was a covenant where God's laws would be written on the inside of me, that I would be transformed from the inside out, that I would be transformed to be a transformer. So look at this passage of scripture with me. It's just such a, a powerful, powerful passage. I just have to get there first. Hang on one second. <laughs> Verse 13. He, now this is speaking of the Father. He has delivered us from the power of darkness. He has conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love. In whom we have redemption through his blood 
the forgiveness of sins. I'm going to share the whole passage through verse 20 today, but I want to just stop here and just celebrate this incredible statement. Come on, we have to just pause for a moment and and look at what he's saying here. He's saying, Father God, our Father who art in heaven has actually done a miracle. He delivered us. That means he rescued us. He actually, you know, stood at the, 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 you know, bottom of a third floor building as we were being, you know, jumping out of that building to, you know, as it was on, on fire to catch us. He rescued us from the authority. That's the Greek word there. The word power is the word authority, the exousia of darkness. That ultimately the, there is an authority that the enemy has had on the earth. And we'll talk about this more as we go through this passage. But I want you to know that when Jesus was baptized and and he came out of the water and he heard the Father speak, this is my beloved Son, and the Holy Spirit landed on him like a dove, that immediately following, the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness. And he had an encounter with an angel. But it wasn't an obedient angel. It was a rebellious angel. And as you think about this reality, this rebellious angel, Lucifer, Satan, had been present in the garden to seduce Adam and Eve into disobedience. And as a result of that disobedience, a curse was unleashed upon the earth. And all of the stuff that causes us anxiety and pain and discomfort and difficulty and all the stuff that we're having to face even right now in the political polarities and the racial issues and the white supremacy and the Black Lives Matter and all of the disease and problems and COVID. I mean, everything that we're looking at right now was never God's intention for humanity. God intended a world filled with love and grace, but he also gave us choice. And because of our choice, we aligned ourselves with darkness and we came under the dominion of darkness, the authority of darkness. But God had a plan. (laughs) And his plan culminated in God himself becoming flesh and dwelling among us. And we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Such an incredible, incredible God we serve. He has delivered us. And he has conveyed us or translated us into the kingdom of the son of his love or his dear beloved son. I mean, come on, you guys. This is absolutely the gospel that God himself has done this incredible thing for us. It wasn't by our works. It wasn't any goodness that we were able to manifest to produce this outcome. God himself rescued us. And he conveyed us. I mean, if you want to think of that word convey, it's a, it's a Greek word that means he, he lifted us up and placed us in a place of safety. Okay, think of, uh, you know, if you like movie classics, think of Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, where he grabs her and then he twirls her and sets her down on the other side of the stage. Think of, uh, think of Captain Kirk and Spock being mobbed by a bunch of aliens on a planet and they flip out the communicator, say, Scotty, beam me up. I mean, this is what we're talking about. We're talking about being translated from one state to an entirely different state. 
from the authority, the exousia of darkness into the basileia of his beloved son. See, we have to understand when we use the word kingdom of God, it's not some dry uh, you know, structure of government. It's an environment of absolute undiluted love. <laughs> the son of his love. We've been translated into this. How did that happen? Well, the scripture tells us. It's, it says, in whom we have redemption. In other words, he paid the ransom for our deliverance. We were captives. And in fact, we weren't just captives, but have you guys ever heard of the uh, Stockholm Syndrome? That's when somebody who's kidnapped goes through a psychological trauma to the point where they start to identify with their kidnappers. One example of that was 50 years ago, Patty Hearst, who was the heir of a massive you know, new, uh, newspaper uh, dynasty. She was kidnapped by the SLA and she was seen holding a gun, robbing a bank. See, because humanity has come under the authority of the enemy, we are, in a sense, captives, kidnapped by the enemy. But many of us have aligned ourselves with the enemy. We've adopted his mindset. And now we're walking out that mindset, but Jesus paid the ransom. He purchased us back. He actually has now transformed us through his blood. You are transformed. <laughs> in order to transform, okay? And so, and, but, but it doesn't stop there. Look at the next couple of verses because it goes on to talk, about, to talk about the beauty of Jesus, who he is. Who is this transformer? Who is this guy who has come and displayed the absolute love of God for us? Look at this. It says, for he, speaking of Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. In other words, it says in Hebrews that, uh, it's such a beautiful passage, that God who in sundry times and in diverse ways tried to speak to us through the prophets has in these last days spoken to us in his son who is the expressed image of his being. In other words, God wants to be understood in no uncertain terms. <laughs> God wants to be, and so I've tried to speak through prophets. I've tried to speak in revelations. I've tried to speak in visions. I just got to go down there. <laughs> and I got to just talk to him myself. And so God becomes flesh and dwells among us. He is the image of the invisible God. That means he's the, he's the exact representation. He's the icon of the invisible God. And so if you see Jesus, you've seen the Father. And I just encourage you, especially those of you online that are with us today, you know, I, I, I was a guru follower. I was into New Age philosophy. I read what many, many people said about Jesus. And I thought I was doing pretty good. But it wasn't until I read what Jesus said himself. That, and, and in fact, I was initially angry. Like, why didn't anybody tell me that there is so much truth in him? That he is actually the way and the truth and the life. And that no man comes to the Father but by him. 
I never realized that because I just thought Jesus was just a good teacher. But look at the passage and see what it says. It says he is the invisible, the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Now, you can kind of read that the wrong way if you're not careful because the firstborn indicate, or seems to indicate that Jesus was created, but he was not created. He is one of the three persons of the Godhead that are co-eternal, uncreated. But what it's saying here is it's saying that he was the one through whom all creation came to be. So if you have any doubts about the divinity of Christ, look at the next verse. Okay, because it says this. It says, for by him all things are created. By Jesus all things. And the scripture says that very clearly in John chapter 1 as well. That Jesus is the creator God. He manifested in human form, but he was the co-eternal God in heaven through whom all things were made. Okay, so look at this. It's just so incredible. This is our deliverer. I mean, if you have any doubts about Jesus' power to set you free, Jesus' power to bring you into a place of peace and grace, uh, faith and love and hope and all the dynamics of the kingdom, if you have any doubts at all, look at this passage. He is the image of the invisible God. For by him all things were created, verse 16. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones, dominions, principalities, and powers, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. In other words, he is the glue that is holding all of reality together. In fact, all that exists, even you, the fact that he made you is also consistent with the fact that he could unmake you with a thought. That's how powerful he is. That is exactly who Jesus is. And that's why we could be so confident in the midst of all the storms that are raging around us right now. There's so many crazy things going on in our world, but we serve the one who is supremely preeminent over all things. He is supremely exalted. And even as we were exalting him today, I just felt that overwhelming flood of, of security. I don't have to fear the election results. Because whichever way it goes, Jesus is still Lord. I don't have to fear the riots in the streets because regardless of how much damage is done, Jesus is still Lord. In other words, there is a preeminent beauty and power that Jesus brings that in the midst of so much difficulty, he's still the king. He's still the Lord. And he's working all things together according to the counsel of his own will. As it says in Ephesians chapter 1, he's working all things together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. But he is actually working on some other things that are also super important because he didn't just transform us to sit in church. <laughs> I mean, it would have been fun, but that's not what he transformed us for. He transformed us so that through his blood we would be forgiven and through the indwelling of his Holy Spirit we would actually be elevated to sit with him in heavenly places. 
Okay. So let's look at his creative power for just a minute because I believe that some keys to our transformational role are hidden in here. Okay, the first thing is he created everything that was visible. Okay, we know that. Okay, we look at the earth, we look at the stars, we look at the universe as we can perceive it, and we know that God made all that exists, and that's awesome. Okay, we just, I mean, I don't want to say it dismissively. I want to say, wow, that's awesome. (laughs) That blows me away just by itself. I mean, have you gone out into a starry night recently and just stood there like, uh, like David did and said, when I consider the stars and the moon which you've ordained, who am I that you're mindful of me? Have you allowed the stars in the heavens to humble you recently? You know, it's like, let's, let's, let's just remember, that's our Jesus. Okay, but beyond that, okay, he made everything that's invisible as well. Now, you guys know that there's an invisible realm. You guys know that, right? You guys know that most of what we're seeing, the conflicts that are raging on the earth, are not being driven by visible things. They're being driven by invisible powers. And until we see that, we will never understand the power of prayer. Because prayer is how we legislate in the invisible realm. Prayer is how we begin to exercise our transforming efforts in a realm that is unseen because we're relating to a God that is not visible to our eyes but who rules over all things from the invisible realm. So that's number one. He made invisible invisible. Okay. He also made, look at the next passage. It says that he made things in heaven and on earth. Okay, now again, we understand that heaven exists. I mean, still, I would love a, a deeper, more powerful revelation of heaven because I believe that it's part of our inheritance forever to be there with him. But it's also something that I believe secures us on this planet. And so I study the scripture and I, I have good friends who have actually had visitations into the heavenly realm. Uh, you know, Paul spoke about his visit into the third heaven and his relationship. And he saw things that were unutterable or things that he was not permissible to even talk about. Those things exist. And Jesus made all those and Jesus made all this. Okay, but then he zeroes in a little bit more and he starts talking about something else. I want you to notice this. He talks about principalities, thrones, dominions, principalities, and powers. What are those? Well, those are the invisible and visible powers that govern or influence human thought and behavior. Okay? So we have visible things. Obviously, we have an economic system that governs our thoughts and behavior. And that economic system's got tremendously damaged in the last six months. Okay, we have political systems and we have an election coming up and that's also kind of causing us, you know, difficulty and stress. We have uh, cultural stuff, things coming through on TV and Netflix and the news and all of that hitting our minds and, and, and influencing us and influencing our behavior. And many Christians I know are, 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 are paralyzed with fear right now because they're spending so much time or they're, or they're angry and polarized from other people because they're spending so much time just addicted to the news and trying to hear what's going on. These are all, in a sense, visible principalities. They're ruling forces that influence the way we think and the way we act in life. Okay, but guess what? Jesus made all of them. Jesus made the capacity for government. 
Now, and he made the propensity for human beings to create government wherever we go. Now, some governments are better than others, okay? But human beings will always generate government. They will always generate some kind of economy. Some economies are better than other economies. In other words, these forces are something that God, I believe, placed in the DNA of humanity. In the visible realm that we would build these structures. Culture is another structure. Okay, we build these things, but then he also made angelic forces in the universe. Those angels in the invisible realm have a certain influence on the thought and behavior of humanity. And we need to understand that we are not just people in a physical realm, that we have a spiritual responsibility. We've been transformed, conveyed into the kingdom of his love so that we could actually influence the invisible realm. You guys understand that? And so it's essential that we take our place, that we actually rise up, that we allow the chains, as we sung about earlier, to fall to the ground. We, we tread on those chains and we rise up as sons and daughters of God, filled with the Holy Spirit, taking our place, seated with Jesus in the heavenly realm, exercising authority on his behalf. You guys realize that if we're seated with Jesus, where is Jesus seated? He's seated in the heavenly realm, but he's seated on a throne. See, if you're seated with him, you're seated on a throne. You're seated in a place of rule. You're seated in a place of dominion. It's not your dominion, it's his dominion, but you're a steward of that dominion insofar as God ordains for you to exercise that in your world. So you have been transformed in order to transform. Now, just for a moment, think about Daniel. You know, Daniel did a 21-day fast. Okay, I know some of you are fasting right now. We're going to go into some fasting as well in preparation for what's coming on the earth in this next season. But I want you to know, Daniel did a 21-day fast, and at the end of that time, the angel came to him and said, the moment you began to fast, I was commissioned. I was sent forth from God to bring you an answer. But I encountered some resistance. This gives us a little window into the invisible realm. And we see, wow, in the invisible realm, there can be resistance. He said, the prince of Persia hindered me. And it took 21 days for me to get here. Now, again, I, I don't even understand that from the multiverse kind of reality of different dimensions. I, it doesn't make sense to me, but it's what the word says. Okay, he was hindered. He was commissioned the day the fast began. It took 21 days to get there. And the implication is, if Daniel had not persisted in the 21-day fast, that the breakthrough would not have occurred. In other words, Daniel had a role to play in the heavenly breakthrough, even though he was unaware of what was exactly happening until the angel came and spoke to him. So we have a role to play. How do we play our part? How do we actually engage our part? How do we persist in the word of the Lord to the point where breakthrough occurs? And that's what we see. We see also the, the alignment, the prince of Persia. What is that? Well, it's an angel that had, was part of the fallen angels that followed Lucifer into rebellion. But he had a power to actually uh, strengthen a visible governmental system. And Daniel's prayer had power to undo that to some extent. See, again, these are, these are mysteries, but it's part of what we're called to be as followers of Jesus. So let's just finish this up here. Okay. 
Here's what it says. It says, all things were created through him. Okay, so Jesus made it all, but humanity has corrupted what Jesus made. So even our best forms of government will be corrupted to some extent because of the corruption of the human art. But you and I are instruments of God's righteousness to bring about transformation. And, and let me just say something about this first. There's a lot of confusion about transformation. Okay? But I believe transformation exists in three distinct dimensions. Okay? The moment you accept Jesus Christ, you are absolutely transformed. It is a done deal, okay? It is completely established because of what he did for you. So the moment you are born again, the moment your sins are washed, the moment the Holy Spirit takes residence in your being, that's the moment at which you are entirely a new creature in Christ. You are completely righteous in him. But then there's a process of transformation as well. There's momentary transformation when we accept Christ. There's a process of transformation. You see that in Romans 12. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see it in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 where God says we're transformed from glory to glory by the spirit of the living God. But then there's an ultimate transformation. I don't know if you guys remember that. But the scripture says in John chapter, 1 John 3 when it says when we see him we will be like him because we'll see him as he is. In other words, there's going to be an instantaneous, absolute transformation that occurs the moment we are ultimately face to face with him. So we see three dimensions. We see the transformation of salvation. We see the transformation of progressive sanctification. And then we see the transformation of ultimate salvation. I mean, come on, you guys. We are guaranteed <laughs> absolute transformation in Christ. But you look at this and you say, okay, then verse 18, because verse 18 is the pivot point. Verse 18 says this, and he is the head of the body, the church, who's the beginning and firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence. And it pleased the Father that in him all fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself by him, whether things on earth, things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of the cross. Come on. Like, oh, man. You know, this, this like to plumb the depths of this passage could take weeks of it's just like careful study. Careful study. But let me just say, this is what I believe he's saying. Yes, you've been transformed. Yes, you are seated with Jesus in heavenly places. Yes, you are in the process of progressive sanctification. Yes, all these things are true about you. But it's unto a purpose. You have been transformed to become a transformer. Look at the text, verse 18. It says, he is the head of what? The body, the church. We are his body. He's the head. We are the ones who are now commissioned by his grace to carry out the mission that he began so powerfully in his personal incarnation. But now it was in his wisdom and in his glorious plan that he would not have completed that apart from us. That you and I are now part of what God originally intended before sin ever entered the world. You and I are are now 
His body, his hands, his feet, his, his torso. We're his internal organs. We are the very agency that God himself has ordained to transform Raleigh-Durham, to transform North Carolina, to transform the United States of America, to transform the Western Hemisphere, and to be a blessing to the entire planet, that we are transformers. <laughs> We're more than meets the eye, you guys. You know, you think of, uh, you think of, of uh, Superman, you know, mild-mannered Clark Kent. But when the moment's there, it's like he strips it off and he becomes this, you know, mighty, mighty. That's who you are. That God has prepared you and is preparing for you. But you have to rise above the garbage of this planet. The mindsets, the arguments, the division, the strife. You've got to... a. a, a Attain to a place where you see the spiritual forces that are driving the right and the left. And you start seeing beyond that. You start seeing from a kingdom perspective that is rooted in the king himself. And you start to legislate both in prayer and in ministry. You start to legislate his will in this earth. Isn't that awesome? And what does that legislation look like? Well, look at verse 20, because it's very, very clear. It says that God's purpose in Christ was to reconcile all things to himself. In other words, he wants to bring this entire planet back under his loving dominion. Remember, his, his dominion isn't some dry, you know, sort of uh, functioning governmental authority. No! It's the kingdom of the son that he loves. It's a love kingdom, you guys. It's a reconciliation kingdom. It's a peace kingdom. It's a, it's a I love you. And so we need to stand back. We need to not get in the fray. We need to have positions that, as, as Murray was talking about, we understand how to vote from a biblical worldview. But we have to understand that somebody on the opposite end of the political spectrum is not our enemy. The enemy is our enemy. You guys understand that? And even as there's probably different people with different political perspectives, even in this room today or online today, but we're all followers of Jesus and we're striving to walk under the dominion of that loving kingdom that he's ordained, that this is who we are. It helps me to look at that person who's shaking their fist or even the person that's burning down a store, smashing and looting, to also remember at that moment as I'm viewing them on a video clip that this is one for whom Christ died. One for whom. And, and I have to say that sometimes because I can get polarized. I can get angry. I can get fearful. One for whom Christ died. The same blood that delivered me is the same blood that was offered for that looter, that rioter, that left-wing socialist, I mean, whatever you, that white supremacist. You guys understand? The same blood that was shed for me was shed for them. And that reduces us all to be 
that incredible army of love. See, the scripture says, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. They're a new creature. They're a whole new species of being. In other words, if we could develop the right biological assessment and you went through that assessment as a born-again believer, they would have to classify you as something other than homo sapien. You are homo spiritus or whatever. You are born again by the power of Jesus Christ. You are a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new and all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through the blood of Jesus and then he has given us the ministry of reconciliation, that we are the peacemakers. We are the ones who go to our black brothers and sisters on the one hand or to our white supremacists, you know, you know, all the, it's like we are the ones who create the bridge, the reconciliation to the right and the left, to the rich and the poor, to the diseased and the undiseased, to whatever division line you see in this earth, we are the ones who extend the peace of the cross for the deliverance of humanity. Because as the dominoes begin to fall, as we enter into this new season where the great harvest is coming, and please let me say this in the final moments of what I'm saying, is that right before the Jesus movement, there were so many parallels to the season we're in right now. Martin Luther King was assassinated, so was Bobby Kennedy. There were riots around the 1968 Democratic Convention. There were race riots going on in the streets. And there was even a pandemic. (laughs) Jesus swept in. And all those who were raging and all those who were fearful and all those who were... Come on. He claimed for himself a people out of the baby boomers. And I believe he's going to do so again out of the millennials and the Gen Zs and the older Gen X and all the different people groups that are here represented in our nation and around the world that Jesus is sitting with bated breath, looking upon his creation as the tectonic plates of heaven and earth begin to grind and the earthquake is about to happen. Jesus is sitting in a place of complete peace, excited, about the souls that are going to be brought into the kingdom because of you, because of us, because of our, we are his body. So can you stand with me? Hallelujah. Can you stand with me? And I just want to, those of you who have uh, a sense of confidence to do so, I believe the Lord wants to actually touch many of you today that you could make that transition from transformed to transformer. Now again, I know most of you have it already at some level, but I think it needs a re-verification. I think it needs a re-confirmation that we step out of the fear and the the division and the strife and the disease of this moment, and we step again into a commitment to be the transformers that he's called us to be. So if that's you, and again, if, if you feel uncomfortable coming forward, don't, you don't have to. You can receive where you are. But those of you who want to have your hands laid on you for this and you have the faith for that, 
please come forward right now. Just stand up here. And, and I, I would like to invite the prayer teams as well from the church to come and stand with us as well as we begin to pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We've got to take our place, you guys. We can't just be victimized like the rest of this culture. We can't just be in a place where we're, we're, we're puppets on a string of what the news media tells us. We've got to rise above. We've got to assume our seat with the Son of God and His throne. We've got to be able to lay aside the human and the visible dynamics that are taxing us and step into that place with Jesus. So do we have some prayer teams that can just begin to pray? Just begin to, as the Lord leads you, as you go out to lay hands right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask for, first of all, a tearing down of any strongholds of thought that are keeping us bound. In the name of Jesus, we break the power of every pattern of thinking that is going to bind us to fear or bind us to division or bind us to animosity. No, in the name of Jesus, we renounce those things and we cast them down in Jesus' name. Just say no to those things right now. You can have your political opinion. You can have your perspectives, but they are not dominant. The dominant perspective is the Son of God. So right now, just reset yourself. Pivot in Him. Reset yourself in the Son of God today. Just begin to pray in your prayer language if you have it. If not, just begin to pray in, in, in the natural. Just begin to release, Lord, your presence and your power on each one receiving prayer right now. Just release your grace and allow them to just begin to be lifted up. Just find yourself rising above all the chatter, all of the fears, all of the conflicts that are in this visible realm and find yourself rising and rising in faith into that place that Jesus ordained for you, that, that place of ascendancy, that place where the eagles fly. And find yourself. Connected to the head as part of his body. Connected to the head. You have been transformed to transform. So if you put your hands out right now, I just want to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I bless each man and woman. In this congregation, I bless those of you online, and I just declare right now that you are sons and daughters of the Most High, and that you have been granted a ministry of reconciliation, that you have now been ordained as ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven, and that kingdom will prevail. God wins that he overcomes, and that everything that he has ordained will certainly come to pass. But he's inviting you to stand with him as his diplomat, as his ambassador, that you would bring to this earth, to your realm, to the realm of medicine, the realm of, of education, the realm of politics, the realm of neighborhood, that you would bring the ministry of reconciliation in the name of Jesus. Amen.